Hey everybody, I just wanted to give you a quick heads up that on this episode we had some connection issues on our audio so that every now and then you'll hear a little glitch out, but we got that fixed pretty early on. Also, the audio quality isn't the best. Uh, Every now and then you can hear a fan running on a computer, but hopefully you can tell that isn't going to happen as much anymore because we have a great microphone. So thank you to our most generous Patreon subscriber, Mom. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Uh, Also, fair warning, this is about Cambodia, so there is some bummer history coming at you very shortly. Hi, I'm Ryan. And this is Justin. And you're listening to Histories of Toiletries, Season 3. Today on History of the Toiletries, we are going to talk about Cambodia. Justin, when did you go to Cambodia? I was in Cambodia, it was 2016, a couple years ago. Uh, it was during my trip uh, that lasted about three months through all of Southeastern Asia. Um, so yeah, I probably spent a total of a week or so in Cambodia. It's not a huge... It's not a huge country. Do you know what state it is most uh, equivalent in size to? It kind of looks like South Carolina. Close. South Carolina. Actually, not that close. You're about 20 states off. But uh, the actual landmass equivalent would be the state of Florida, surprisingly. Although it's not shaped like Florida, so it doesn't come to mind at all when you're looking at Cambodia. Which is, by the way, if people don't know where Cambodia is, it is um, in between Thailand and Vietnam, um, right on the uh, bordering the Gulf of Thailand on the south and Laos to the north. Yes. Wait, it's south of Thailand and Laos. Yeah, but if you're just putting it into four sides, then you got Thailand on the left, Vietnam on the right, Laos above you, and below you although of course that's not it's more like northwest and northeast and southeast and southwest but just tilt your head a little bit and it makes more sense well thank you for that uh alternative geography lesson justin i'm going to give us a factual history lesson all right let's hear it so in the first six centuries uh cambodia was a part of kind of this group of countries that we now know as Thailand and Vietnam and Laos and a little bit of Myanmar or Burma and a little bit of Malaysia, but they were all called that kind of little Gulf of Thailand region was called the States of Funan or Funan. uh, If you're in a cheery kind of mood, Uh, these organized States were heavily influenced by India in Cambodia was much bigger than it is now. And so it kind of owned, it had control of the entire Mekong Delta. And so it was heavily influenced by India and also spread Indian influences throughout the Southeast Asian region around this area. And so Hindu was the main uh, religion of the time and that's important because we're going to see here in a little bit how those religions kind of went back and forth but hindu was the main religion 
the Funan uh, kind of, I don't want to call it an empire, but the the states of Funan. State. What? Yeah, state. Yeah, well, the group of states yeah. uh, kind of broke up, and that's where we get the Kamai Empire. And that mm. is ethnic Cambodia. And so the Khmer people are the ethnic Cambodians, uh, and they get their own empire uh, late in the seventh century. I so, thought it was Khmer. Uh, you that? did think it was Khmer. That is how English speakers pronounce it, but it is oh, actually pronounced okay. Khmer. I didn't know you speak Cambodian. That's great. Uh, I didn't until about an hour and a half ago when I googled how to say Khmer. Okay. <laughs> um. Angkor, which Angkor Wat was the biggest temple uh, of the time, and that's where uh, Buddhism kind of got established, right? All these people grew and grew into this one area, and after the Funan Empire uh, broke up, Indian influence lessened dramatically, and that's where you got a lot more Chinese influence, and Buddhism took control, and they built all these massive temples, the biggest and most well-preserved uh, temple is Angkor Wat, um, and that is still there, something you can visit today. Uh, I don't have any Yelp reviews. I don't have any bad Yelp reviews today, but I did look up Angkor Wat, and Angkor Wat only has four Yelp reviews, all of which are five stars. So well done, really? Angkor Wat. Yeah. But only how many? Four. Only four. Man, there was a lot more people there when I was there. Uh, later on, Hinduism came back in the form of a state-run like Hindu cult, almost, um, where the leader was in charge and kind of establishing Hinduism again. It just wasn't a good place to be. And then in 1594, uh, Thailand wanted influence over the Cambodians, and so they overthrew this Hindu government for the Cambodians, which then then Thailand started seeking more control over Cambodia. Um, they kind of just did Cambodia this favor so that then they could control them. Um, at the same time, Vietnam also wanted control over Cambodia uh, because, again, this Cambodia was in charge of the Mekong River Delta, which was a huge shipping and important river delta in the area. And so Vietnam and Thailand both wanted control of Cambodia, uh, which when two countries, two groups of people who don't live in an area want to control an area, it's not good for the people that live in that area. Um, and that's what's happened to Cambodia throughout the centuries. And so this fight between Vietnam and Cambodia has really given them issues for the last 400 years uh, because... You know, Vietnam is looking out for Vietnam's interests, Thailand's looking out for Thailand's interests, and nobody was looking out for Cambodia's interests. And so Vietnam and Thailand just started fighting between each other for Cambodia and uh, trying to install different governments and all kinds of stuff, and it was wild. In 1863, uh, when France kind of came into the area and started colonizing Vietnam and Cambodia, Thailand was fighting against that control. And so France was kind of looking out for Cambodia against Thailand, um, just 
again so that they could have a stronghold in the area and try and get Thailand later. Uh, Cambodia was a colony of France, or a protectorate, officially. Um, and then in the 50s, when we started decolonizing, uh, just the French area, the French region, it was called Indochina, French Indochina. It broke off, but when it broke, Cambodia got a smaller area than when they were taken over by France. And so that was a bummer, and that was in the 50s. So from for about 100 years, it was a French colony. Um, and you still see those French influences today. Um, then in more modern history and kind of where um, the history kind of takes a turn, they stayed neutral during Vietnam. Cambodia famously stayed neutral during Vietnam. However... They were being bombed by the United States and overrun by the Vietnamese. Essentially, the war spilled over into Cambodia, um, who was officially not taking any part. Um, and this is uh, essentially a bummer alert for the next couple minutes. Um, the Khmer Republic, after, in 1970, became the official uh, government. Um some people believe it was installed by the United States, um, but there is no official proof of that, but who really knows? Um, all we know is that the United States endorsed the Khmer Republic government after it had come to power. But after they came to power, they were constantly attacked by the Northern Vietnamese and the Communists. And so for five years, there was essentially a civil war um, that the... Uh, Khmer communists who were sponsored by the Northern Vietnamese eventually took over on New Year's Day in 1975. Uh, the takeover, when they overrun the capital, the communists took effect four days after the United States pulled out of the region. Once Pol Pot took over, who was the leader of the Cambodian Communist Party, uh, things just went awful for the region. He immediately started trying to alienate and eliminate his political rivals. They established a system of Maoist communism, and so they were essentially abolishing everything Western. Uh, and to abolish everything Western, they were killing and assassinating doctors and lawyers and teachers, essentially everything that represented Western culture, what their eyes was Western culture, and uh, eliminating anything intellectual uh, and essentially anything that might be able to organize and come back on the government. Uh, there was a quote, um, and I can't attribute this quote right now, uh, but they said that wearing eyeglasses was the equivalent of having a yellow star uh, because it was a, uh, a, such a strong um, symbol of intellectualism. Uh, and so they killed, they killed millions of people. Uh, the Documentation Center for Cambodia suggests the death toll was between 2 and 2.5 million, with the most likely figure being 2.2 million, which is just uh, exact middle 
of where their uh, figure is, but they have researched uh, 20,000 grave sites, and the researcher Craig Etchison uh, thinks that these mass graves contain the remains of 1,386,734 victims of execution. Uh, a UN investigation also found the same figures. Um, so this was just an awful, awful genocide of uh, Southeast Asia. The people responsible had not been brought to justice uh, until the mid-2000s uh, with the most recent uh, sentence uh, being given in 2012. Yeah, it was life in prison. Pol Pot himself died in 1998 before standing trial, um, but that was uh, just a real shame. Um, anyway, so that happened from 1975 to 1978. There's just this massive genocide where millions of people died and just nothing was good. The after effects of that lasted so long and still last today. There were not there was not actually attorneys in the country until 1998 when the bar of Cambodia was set up so that they could just have lawyers. Um, and so um, we're just seeing the effects of this horrible thing happen uh, all the way to now. In 1978, the Vietnamese, uh, southern Vietnamese, um, took control and the UN stepped in and just essentially Cambodia became a UN controlled nation. Um, they just stepped in, uh, took over the government, stopped this genocide, and um, essentially just took too long um, to get there. Uh, in these three years, such terrible things happened. But uh, in 18 or 1989, the state of Cambodia uh, went under to a peace settlement with Vietnam and the UN was able to enforce a ceasefire and deal with refugees um, and just handle that side of it. But again, that wasn't until, you know, 10, 15 years later. In 1993, the king was restored uh, they now have a, well, a quote-unquote constitutional monarchy. And so uh, they, have, they have a king who is the head of state and a prime minister who is a head of the government. Um, but that has its own issues. But yeah, so that is the history of Cambodia um, until now. Justin, do you have any info on like current state of affairs because I have some things but uh, since you were there um, do you have any like demographic information or anything like that um, not really um, when, you know when you're there when you're in it you, you a lot of times you don't really know how everything's working as far as like what their government's like and things like that um, so when I was there I went to Obviously, the more 
visited parts of the country and you don't always, you, there's a lot of tourists, there's, you know, a lot of people from all over the world there. So you don't always get that true sense of what it's actually like to be living uh, in that part of the world or in that country. Um, <clears throat> that's why it is nice to be able to stay at a place for a long period of time. You get a much better sense of how it really is and how it really functions. But for Cambodia, I was just there for a week and hit some really great spots, um, enjoyed my time there, but, you know, it was still limited time. That makes a lot of sense. Well, like I said earlier, they have a constitutional monarchy, but it was described by the Human Rights Watch's Southeast uh, Asian director, David Roberts, as a vaguely communist free market state with a relatively authoritarian coalition ruling over a small superficial democracy. Um, and so human rights have been a huge issue in Cambodia and the, in fact, the Supreme Court has actually dissolved as of 2017 the opposition party. Um, and so right now it is run by their prime minister, Hun Sen, um, who took power in 1985 at the age of 33 and has said that he will continue ruling until he's 74, um, which there doesn't really seem to be going to be an end to that since the main opposition party has been dissolved. Um, and so that's kind of where they're at today. They, again, just huge issues in human rights. Uh, they have poverty and hunger and just a lot of things you would expect from a third world country that has been passed from government to government and, you know, country to country, uh, without really, without really being able to pave a way for its own citizens. Well, that's kind of kind of sad. Yeah, um, this was a real bummer to research, uh, honestly. <laughs> and so uh, I think we're going to take a quick break. And then uh, Justin will get into your trip. And hopefully it will be a lot more fun than the Wikipedia page for Cambodia. And welcome back from that nice short break. Uh, Justin, why don't you go ahead and tell us uh, about your trip? How did it get started? Sure. Um, so I actually had kind of an interesting ride into Cambodia. I started in southern Laos, where I, where I was, and I was uh, going to catch a bus to Phnom Penh, the capital and the largest city in Cambodia. Um, bus is kind of a, a loose term over there. It was really just kind of a van that people piled in. Um, so got into the van with a bunch of other people and we're like, okay, cool. Um, go into Phnom Penh. But once I started talking to people there on the bus, on the van, um, so like half the people were going to Siem Reap and half the people were going to Phnom Penh and then like some other people, like one couple was going to, was just getting dropped off somewhere in between, or it was weird. Anyway, so <laughs> I was a little bit, a little bit skeptical as to like, what is actually happening here, uh, as far as where I was going, which by that point, I had been in Asia for 
this was like at the tail end of my three months in Asia. So I kind of knew that things just kind of operate differently. And, you know, just because you think you're in a van going somewhere, it doesn't actually mean that's what's happening. Um, so anyway, about a couple hours in, I realized, yeah, I'm definitely not going to Phnom Penh or if we are, this is not the right way. We're going a very wrong way. So I ended up, ended up in Siem Reap, which is not a bad place. Um, to end up, uh, I plan on going to CM Reap anyway, just, you know, at a different point in my trip. But when we got there, the guys were like, oh, yeah, well, you know, we can just drive you to Phnom Penh now. And I was looking at my watch. and It's like, well, it's 10 o'clock now. And by the time I get there, it's going to be like 2 in the morning. And then what am I going to do? I'm just going to be in Phnom Penh at 2 in the morning without a place to stay. So I was like, I'll just stay here. You know, thanks. Thanks for the ride to the wrong place. But still. For um, those wondering, the driving route from Siam Reap to Phnom Penh is five hours. Uh, yeah. So you went five hours out of the way. Exactly. And then, to my surprise, actually, um, I talked. I talked to the guys. I was like, "Well, you know, can I just get a bus to Siam or uh, to Phnom Penh um, at a later date? Like, will you?" Uh, well, you know, will you honor that? Will you just like, you know, basically, because uh, they, you know, pretty much everybody there does multiple things. So <laughs> my van drivers took me to this hostel, which they also ran this hostel. And I was like, okay, well, I'll just stay here. If I stay here, will you give me a bus to Phnom Penh, like in three or four days? And they were like, yeah, sure. I was, even though they said, yeah, sure, I was very skeptical that that was actually going to happen. But to my surprise, it actually did happen, and they did, um, you know, after a lot of convincing, I had to ask them about it, like, every single day. But anyway, um, it was all right. It was a good time. Siem Reap is, is really cool. Uh, that is the town that is the base launching point for the whole Angkor Wat complex, uh, which is just a giant complex of temples. I don't remember the whole area that it encompasses but it's it's huge um the way so a couple good tips for people going to angkor wat which a lot of people are going there it's one of the main attractions in cambodia um and it's really amazing really cool to see so i definitely recommend it but a couple good tips um if you buy a day pass for the complex uh that day pass actually starts at like 5 p.m. the night before. So you can actually go in and catch sunset the night before your day pass actually starts. Um, so it says that on the ticket, but if you're not going to get the ticket until that next day, you might, you'll be, you'll be missing out on a sunset that you could have watched the previous day. Um, so number that's number one. Number two, there's gonna be um, at least 100 people asking you if you want to rent their little um, the little motoped, like rickshaw kind of thing, tuk-tuk kind of thing. Um, I would definitely recommend, if you can, renting a bike. You can, you can rent a, like a mountain bike at any, or any of a number of little rental shops around the city. And then you can just bike around the whole complex. When you do that, you kind of have your own uh, you can kind of set your own agenda as to like how long you want to stay at what different temple you want to, uh, what, what different temples you want to go to. Uh, doing that, I was able to go to some temples that there's there's nobody there. Um, and so it was cool to be able to 
feel like like I was really in the middle of this giant complex and nobody around and just kind of like witnessing history all to myself and that was pretty awesome because um, a lot of times if you rent uh, a tuk-tuk then they kind of they kind of go on the same little circuit that everybody goes to um, and you see all the major ones and there's some really cool ones for sure uh, but there's there's like hundreds of temples out there so you can find some kind of off the beaten path um, but you can like you're just like crawling through temples that are just like decaying and crumbling and trees are being are, are like growing into them and like out of out of the side of them and it looks really awesome um that's where they filmed tomb raider uh the angelina jolie tomb raider film they did at the at the at the at those temples wow. so feels pretty it, it looks pretty awesome it's, it's cool I definitely recommend going there um get a bike if you can it's fun it's also really flat so it's really easy biking um, and it's pretty warm all year round, so bring some water. Um, that's really cool. Uh, so you spent a lot of time in Sam Reap. Um, I'm noticing the, I'm just looking at the Google Maps kind of area. It seems really urban, except for the little patch where these temples are. Uh, I mean, yeah, you're in a, you're in a city for sure. And then when you're looking at it, you see Angkor Wat, and then there's like several temples like all right around there. But the whole thing it expands, it's huge. Like because there's just basically this whole complex was a capital of a of a civil civilization, you know, uh -oh. several hundred years ago. So like that was like the main the old city, but then there's lots of temples spread out all around, you know, with their old city suburbs and whatnot. So there's temples all over the place. Uh, researchers actually believe, uh, based on just satellite images and just studies through the area, that at one point, one million people lived at Angkor Wat, uh, the city of Angkor Wat. <clears throat> yeah, I think Wat means temple, right? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, just speaking to the French influences, though, Justin, do you remember what the road was named that leads from the center of the city to Angkor Wat, the temple, the main temple? Charles de Gaulle. It is Charles de Gaulle. Is that just because yeah. I said it was French? Well, no, I mean, I kind of remembered that. I thought it was pretty interesting when I was riding my bike down that road. Um, yeah, that seems, seems kind of weird, just in the middle of nowhere, but... They were French for a hundred years. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting, Justin. So, did you finally make it to Phnom Penh? I did. Eventually, took a bus, uh, made it to Phnom Penh. Um, that is, like I said, it's the biggest city in Cambodia now. Um, not a whole lot of attractions or like really great things to do in Phnom Penh itself. There's, you know, other cities in Southeast Asia are a lot more fun and interesting just on their own but um you know not to not, not to bum everybody out again but that is where i definitely went to some museums and checked out the history and it was tough to tough to see all of that for sure and and you know in that city itself you do see a lot of poverty and 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 people you know that aren't you know maybe haven't haven't had the best luck in life um, and it's tough. It's tough when you see that, but 
it's it is so recent that all of this has happened that people you know the older generation there like they they lived that and it's you know it's tough um but i went to the i went to tour a one of their old um like a a prison it was a school that they turned into a prison during that uh during that 75 to 78 years that was um, the Khmer Rouge regime yes my Rouge my Rouge um and you were talking about like those mass graves and stuff there's one room in there where it was just literally filled with skulls like real skulls uh that they just dug out of mass graves and it's just like that was really tough to see after actually after uh like i said this was the like the last little bit of my asian tour so like right after this i flew to berlin and like the next day i was in berlin and i was walking around and there was like the holocaust museum and i was like no i can't do this again I, two two in a row that's too much so i didn't do that i would have been very sad yeah i definitely cannot blame you because um, <laughs> yeah especially in europe i think is where we think of more of the like rougher like genocide thing well obviously the holocaust but also just world war one had so much death and so just scattered throughout there's all these war memorials and holocaust museums and things like that but even just, yeah, this part, the Southeast Asian peninsula there, it's it's had some rough history too, for sure. We don't we're not as familiar with it, but um but it's definitely had its own sh fair share of of tough history. Yeah, definitely. Well, I can't blame you for uh skipping the uh Holocaust Museum in Berlin. Um was <laughs> Phnom Penh the last place you went in Cambodia? Um, no, I was in Phnom Penh for a little while. Ooh, one thing I didn't mention that if you are in Phnom Penh, that is really uh, awesome. My favorite thing in Phnom Penh was their movie houses. Um, I mean, like theaters, I suppose, but they are not like the theaters that we have here. Um, they're smaller and they have like, they're just really big, comfortable, like couches and bean bags and um just the whole floor is kind of like cushioned uh mattress feeling with different different levels so it's still kind of stadium um but that was so much fun and i bought a ticket for a day and then they they just have like three movies showing during the day and you can buy a ticket for the day and it was a rainy day and so i just sat in the movie house i think the whole time there was maybe two other people throughout the three other movies that i watched so <laughs> Yeah, I just like laid around. There was a cat though. The cat was in there the whole time. <laughs> what so, movies did you see? We watched. Uh, well, one of them, the last one, was The Killing Fields, which is kind of oh, a movie gosh. about about the the history there. Um, so I wanted to see that. But then before that, they had a couple of uh, just kind of comedies, like random comedies. There was one. I don't remember what it was called, but it was I don't know. It was, it was a dumb movie, but it was perfect. It was about like a kid who got a job at a bakery and like put a bunch of weed and cookies and it started doing really good. And then I don't know, it was just a dumb, dumb movie, but it was fun. <laughs> were they American movies or were they like, they were American. Like they were English. 
Well, I don't. Oh. Yeah, I don't, they were English. I don't know if they were American, but interesting. Uh, they weren't even dubbed or anything. Maybe that's why you were the only person in the movie house. Maybe the other person I met was from, I think, Canada. So, <laughs> so obviously, they were very friendly, as all Canadians are. For sure. Um, that's interesting. Uh, I think that's just kind of, what did you do after Phnom Penh? What other kind of interesting things did you see or do? Yeah, after Phnom Penh, um, actually, this is my favorite part of, of Cambodia. Um, I took another bus van down to Sihanouk, uh, Sihanoukville, I think is the name of it. It's on the south, I guess, southeast, southwestern part of uh, Cambodia that's bordering the Gulf of Thailand there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's just a cool little beach town. Uh, and I spent a couple of nights there. Uh, there was really good food there. I had some of the best coffee uh, that I had in the area was in Sihanoukville. There was this little, like, I think it was a Vietnamese-run um, little coffee shop there, and that was really, really good. Uh, there is just a lot of good foreign cafes and restaurants and bars and stuff there. It's kind of just a, a, a really nice kind of touristy beach area, but it's not super crowded uh, and not super popular like the beaches of Thailand. Um, so that's why I actually skipped the beaches of Thailand because I did some research and, and I found that the beaches of Cambodia were, I mean, just as beautiful. Uh, they were just less crowded. Uh, not as many people going down there. So I definitely recommend going to Sihanouk um, if you are in Cambodia and you want to check out the beaches. still really beautiful. And while I was there, um, from Sihanouk, uh, Sihanoukville, I took a boat out to this other little little island called Koh Rong, uh, just off the main shore there uh, in the Gulf of Thailand. Um and you take a boat, and basically you're going. It has just one little port there that it takes you to, mm-hmm. um, and it's a really undeveloped island. Um, it, there's not a lot of roads or, or anything. I don't even know if they have any vehicles. I can't what really was it remember called? any vehicles. Korong, K O H R O N G. This is right, right off the coast of Cambodia. Um, but one interesting uh, bit about that island is that they filmed in a season of Survivor on that island. Oh, wow. It's really great because it's not very developed at all. You have to take a boat to get out to it. There's really no vehicles on it. Um, what I And it takes you to a, like this little main strip right there at the port where it drops you off. Um, but, you know, if you have some time... Um, there are there are lots of beaches like all around the island, um, but they're hard to get to. So what I did, you, you can take ferries from that little uh, port and go around the island. But what I did, which was really awesome, is I just rented a kayak and I just kayaked like around the island um, to various beaches. I didn't make a full circle all the way around it. I just kind of went like halfway up and then back down. Um, able to, uh, you were definitely able to get away from the crowds and to check out some beaches, like uh, amazingly beautiful, pristine, perfect beaches where there's nobody there. Um, I just like 
pull up in my kayak just straight up onto the beach and then I'm just looking around it's like wow this is just a perfect beach and there's nothing here um so that that's why it was my favorite favorite part of Cambodia um it was so remote and so perfectly pristine and nobody was around and it was really awesome um I camped in in my hammock on the beaches for a couple of nights while I kind of went around um had some you know there are there are so what is on some of those beaches is like resorts that are expensive at least you know relatively speaking in Cambodia um you know in the Cambodian economy there but uh, so they have like their own private little charters that will get you from that main port out to their resort, like that's halfway around the island. So, um, so that's all that's really out there. It was, it was pretty great. That's awesome. Um, well, Justin, what else did you do on that trip? Did you do anything else or should we start talking about some food? Um, those are the three main, main, uh, points that I hit. Um, and like we said, Cambodia is not super huge. It's just as big as Florida. So now we can start talking about some food, I guess. Yeah. So what did you, what kind of was the food staples? Did you eat a lot of Cambodian specific food or was it kind of just influenced by all the different kind of countries yeah. around it who had been kind of in control over the years it's a lot like uh like like laos in the fact that uh it's kind of influenced by a lot of, of different things um I, I ate a lot of street food there like i did in a lot of southeast asia and the food was always really good uh just a lot of like you know very simple stir fries uh, rice noodles soups good good soups um, I, I ate tacos at a place in Sihanoukville um, where the owners were from Denver and they just set up a taco place <laughs> in Sihanoukville so that was really good I was really happy to get tacos they tasted delicious uh, I'm sure now if I, if I were to eat them right now I'm sure they wouldn't they would be like eh, average tacos but at the time <laughs> I was like oh my god these are just the best tacos um, but yeah, you know, pretty similar to just general Southeast Asian stir fries, noodles, spicy. It was delicious for sure. Uh, oh, I have a, uh, a trivia quiz question for you. Uh, what is the, what is the currency of Cambodia? Did you find that in your research? Um, I saw it. I know their exchange rate is like 4,000 to one. Let me see if I've got it right here. I can tell you their GDP. Okay, well now you're just cheating if you're looking it up. Well, obviously I'm looking it up. So okay, what is? Well, it? let me just tell you then. Uh, <laughs> if you are traveling to Cambodia, take out some cash before you go because their national currency is the U.S. dollar. They just oh. use U.S. dollars. Um, obviously, bring small, small cash. Don't bring hundred dollar bills. Nobody would be able to break it. But um, yeah, they use they use dollars. Um, and, but they also, like you said, it's 4,000 to one. They also use like their second form of currency for, uh, like the coins basically. So let's say you buy something for $2 and 50 cents. 
which is like what a standard maybe like a standard meal would cost like 250 on the street or something like that and you gave them three dollars they would give you back twenty thousand uh i don't was it kips real real Real. r-i-e-l yeah so they give you back twenty thousand real um as your 50 cents because four four thousand or forty thousand to one um I noticed that in Costa Rica specifically, they were always really excited to take U.S. dollars yeah. because then they would just round it to the nearest, like, highest number and then give you your change in Costa Rican, which I think made them more money. Yeah, oh, just a standard uh, tip as well if you are traveling and kind of eating on the street and locally around. Always check and see what the... Um, native person paid uh in line in front of you when you order the same thing because sometimes they'll just charge you more but if you know (laughs) if you know you can be like no that was that much and they're like ah okay you got me is that just a good traveling tip in general yeah that didn't happen in see in uh in cambodia where that happened i think indonesia had that happen a lot i think indonesia is much more on the you have to barter and you know haggle a little bit more than you than you did in other asian countries Uh, that's interesting um well justin i think that is going to take us into our kind of final segments um i know you've got the sport of cambodia but i have got a new segment for us and it is called uh reddit post of the week um so obviously i didn't have any Yelp reviews for Cambodia, but I did find a uh, Google, or not a Google, a Reddit, subreddit for Cambodia, and I checked it out, and this post is by Grapefruitorama, uh, and this was eight days ago, so hopefully they got some help, but the title of their post is Need Rabies Booster in Siam Reap. Um, Mm. And the body of the post says, I'm an idiot and got bitten by a monkey. I already had the rabies vaccine, but need the booster. Any particular place better than others? Uh, Angkor Hospital seems to be the place to go. But also, uh, <laughs> if you need help for rabies, maybe not Reddit. <laughs> also, monkeys are the worst. I hope I don't. I think we've talked about that before, but monkeys are my least favorite animal on earth. We talked about it on our unreleased Indonesian episode. Oh, okay. Um, well, when we get back around to Indonesia, I will elaborate. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you did go off on monkeys. <laughs> uh, that might be one of my favorite sound clips we've ever not released. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, what is the sport of Cambodia? Yeah, so uh, in all, in, in this season, which I apparently is our third, um, I've been basically describing or creating or comparing the destination to a uh, to a game or a sport. So this one I am going to call Cambodia is a bike packing trip. So if you don't know bike packing is like a combination of mountain biking and hiking um, because you're carrying everything with you. And I, I decided to go with this one because it is kind of an up and coming sport it's becoming more and more popular. Um, there's not as many people doing it yet, but, um, you know, it's growing. It is, you, you can get off the beaten path a little bit. Um, you know, a lot of people are doing Thailand, Vietnam, 
Um, sometimes just, I usually see them reap, but kind of skipping the rest of Cambodia. Um, but you can kind of get off the beaten path. Um, I also picked this because I did some cycling in Cambodia, which was, which was fun. So I definitely recommend it. So bike packing it is. Uh, nice. Uh, well, Justin, did you mm-hmm. invent bike packing? Is that a thing you invented and now you're trying to say it's an up and coming sport? Uh, I wish. No, I didn't invent it. There is, you can take a class on it actually. Nice. Hey everybody, this is Solo Ryan, and I just wanted to thank you for listening. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Ryan D. Willette. Uh, you can find Justin at can'tpaintaburninghouse.com. That's where he has all his socials and also a lot of pictures and things from his trips. You can also find pictures on patreon.com slash histories to toiletries. And that is where you can help support us. Just $1 a month helps a ton. But we want to thank you again for listening. And have a great one. I'm seeing that Korong is actually in Thailand. Well, you are Korong. Uh, I mean, it, but this is Korong, tra- Thailand. Well, that's maybe there's a Korong, Thailand, but it's not... I think Kokong. Is Kokong the place you went? No, it's Korong. I'm looking at it right now on Google Maps. It's just west of Sihanouk. Yeah. And is it right next to Kokut as well? The bigger island? No. Where's Sihanouk? Sihanouk. Uh, South South Cambodia. Yeah, there's... Definitely two co-wrongs. They don't make a right, though. I'll tell you that.